I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Um, we are coming to you after a solid Mercury win. I think Richie went to the wrong game. Or maybe they won because Richie wasn't there and it was just to spite him. You never know anymore. Uh with me tonight, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. Yes, I think I went to the wrong game. Now, here's the thing, though. I think there's, I think the Richie Jinx popped back up here because I think I may have, I don't know if I brought this up on the last show or not, but this is something that Jordan and I talked about, like, after the game was over or once the game was completely out of hand. We were both like, well, I guess we're, we're never allowed to come to games again, and uh, we're not allowed to watch games anymore. Because when that happens, when we watch them, they lose. Because I didn't watch Game Five of the conference of the conference finals. Mercury won. The other game of that series that I watched, they lost, and then they lost Game One of the WNBA Finals. And then I didn't watch any of the game tonight, outside the last ninety seconds of the fourth quarter in overtime, and it was great. They blew a couple leads here and there, but Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins Smith came up huge in the clutch in the last ninety seconds of overtime. And yeah, exciting win in game two, uh, sold out crowd there. The commentators kept talking about how loud it was there, that they couldn't even hear the whistles going on for fouls and whatnot. And yeah, we, ch- we, we, uh, I, I chose the wrong game to go to and, uh, but there's still more games to come. You never know. There might be another game at home for Phoenix later this series. If right now it's tied one, one, they would host a game five, a deciding game five. So there's still the opportunity to go. Yeah, so the question is, do you go or do you not go? Now that the game that you went to, they lost, and the game that you didn't go to, they won. um, My teams are bad when I show up. So (laughs) I would say not. I'm erring on the side of not going. First of all, I don't want to bear the heartbreak of going in person and watching them lose a championship. Like, I don't know if I, I could take that. That would not be something very that's very entertaining at all. That would be like, that would be very, very heartbreaking. So I'd rather just watch it on TV. Knowing my record of attending games of my teams isn't great. Outside of that time, the Diamondbacks threw a no-hitter when I was in attendance, which was awesome. But other than that, like we talked about uh, last week on the show, when I go to Rams games, they lose most of the time. So maybe I just need to avoid it at all costs. I don't know. I think you deserve a redemption, personally. Personally, (laughs) I think you deserve a redemption. But I will say it's funny. I have on the background uh, on in the background here and so do you um, the uh, TNT broadcast. I haven't really gotten to watch much of uh you know, their intermission reports and stuff like that. There's one going on right now. And um, I have it on mute, obviously, because I'm recording this. 
but I'm actually I feel like it's more entertaining watching this on mute because the uh, <laughs> the like facial expressions and the body language that's going on in this is actually really entertaining and trying to figure out um, how people are reacting like the way that everyone is staring at Gretzky right now they're just like whipping their head side to side between uh, Tockett and Gretzky and it almost feels like they're in like this really deep argument they're probably just discussing something but the way that everyone in the middle is acting is as if they're in some deep argument it's actually kind of more entertaining to watch it muted yeah, and then I saw that like Biz and Talk and Anson Carter were all giggling at something. <laughs> yeah, I I felt like throughout it that Biz and Talk may kind of like have a little bit of a you know when you go into a situation where you're like in a classroom, right? And the teacher decides to put you and your your best friend uh, near each other and so you're sitting there and you're giggling about little things all the time so then they split you up and they think that's going to make it better because you won't be next to each other but then you you still understand things from across the room and are still giggling just from across the room this time that's how I feel they are right now that they have a lot of little like uh, they know what the other person's thinking type of thing and they're just going to be like uh, having their own little inside moments all the time Oh, yeah, you, you know that's 100% the case. And, you know, it's funny because watching the ESPN coverage on, on Tuesday night, they had very a very small amount of people there on their table and on their on their desks for their intermissions. Like, I, was, I watched the second game. I watched most of the Kraken in Vegas game, which was terrific, by the way. And Do you think that goal crew, should have counted? Yes, I do. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay, I just I just wanted to ask you. Yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. I think because that's that's uh that's our first big hockey debate of the season, and I I think it's worth discussing a, a little bit more. But yeah, so watching ESPN's coverage last night, they had a very small crew, especially on that second game where at, during intermissions they had Linda Cohn and Kevin Weeks, and that was it, right? And then I believe in the first game they had Steve Levy, Barry Melrose, uh, and um, John Tortorella, maybe. Um, as on that, on the, oh, oh, sorry, uh, Chris Chelios, um, and Mark Messier. And so watching the TNT coverage, I feel like I'm watching the Supreme court because there's like five, six people on their panel at one time, which is a lot of people to have on a sports show, but I feel like it worked. I mean, they're already going viral. Charles Barkley showed up on there on TNT as we wanted to happen. And I sent you a video of this, of Charles Barkley trying to put on goalie pads. Did not go well. And one of the intermissions, they were had Wayne Gretzky taking shots on Charles Barkley, who was trying to play goalie. And it was great television. It was so good. And I'm already, I'm already 110% all in on this ESPN TNT broadcast coverage. It's already way more entertaining than anything NBC ever did. Also, props to the females that were um, on that coverage, too. AJ was amazing. I really enjoyed the way that she kind of actually was in it. Um, you know, we're always kind of used to, like, Pierre in between the benches. But she kind of felt like a real second color commentator in it. And she added a lot of really great insight. And I thought that she was a wonderful addition to that game. Oh, absolutely. I think her... Her and Boosh as a 
together on the same broadcast. It was great. I've always enjoyed listening to AJ Malesko call games. And same thing with Brian Boucher, too. Uh, I think they're both terrific at what they do. And I thought that broadcast went really well. And I don't, look, say what you will about John Butchagross. Um, his act is tired. It's old. Um, he's not a good dude whatsoever. Kind of a kind of creepy, really, um, from what we know about John Butchagross. But at least his call of the actual game was entertaining. And when you're watching hockey, that's about all you could ask for is, is when you're listening to a game – Having the broadcaster be entertaining and having that cadence throughout an entire 60 minutes to that you enjoy listening to. And Bucci brought that. And I thought that, again, uh, I hope we get more Boucher and A.G. Muska calling games because you were right. Your tweet was 100% correct um, that she was she was great. Linda Cohn, great as always. And on the earlier game, which, again, I didn't get a chance to watch, but apparently Emily Kaplan was in between the benches for that game. And... She's also really great too. She's a great she was, writer. She was quite good a lot well. of- I watched that one half, um, half at work and part of it once I got home. But she, from what I had seen, she was also pretty great. Mm-hmm. She has a great story about Austin Matthews out, by the way. If you check out ESPN.com, um, and a great piece on him, I recommend going to check that out. Yeah, but so far so good for ESPN and TNT and um. It's nice to have just some new blood and have a different experience watching games, watching games this year. But uh, to go back to the the controversial goal that ended up giving the Golden Knights the victory in their first game of the season over the Seattle Kraken. Um, you know, speaking of Brian Boucher, listening to him not only last night but again today, I was watching him, and. Um, and he, as a goaltender, you would think that Brian Boucher would err on the side of the goalie here and say, no goal. But no, he he came straight up and said during the broadcast and again today that he didn't think it was a distinct kicking motion. He thought he just redirected the puck. And that's what I saw, too. I To me, I saw uh, a guy that was going hard to the net that just turned his skate and redirected the puck in with a goaltender that was way out, way out of position, too. And... Like, for me, anyway, and I tweeted this out, too, and I got a lot of crap, which is, I don't really like the kicking rule anyway. I think you should be able to kick it willy-nilly as much as you want and still count. I think you should be able to bat the puck into the net and still count. Like, I just want pure chaos when it comes to the NHL, when it comes to scoring goals. Just score any way imaginable. If it touches any part of your body and it gets into the back of the net, that's a good goal. And to me, again, not a distinct kicking motion. From what I saw, it was a redirect, not a kick. So good goal. So it's funny. I feel like the NHL, to some degree, would probably agree with you in the fact that they just want more goals to be scored in general. But um, Scotty and I were actually on the other side of that. When we first saw it and we were looking at it for a while, we thought it really shouldn't be a, a goal just because of the, I guess, technically, you know, in the rule itself, um, you have to more like have a back swing I guess you could say where your foot goes back and then forward it to me I I find the entire thing to be dumb like I I am actually on the other side like I don't think you should be able to redirect it with your foot and bring it in because no matter what you're still going in a forward motion so even if you just stick your foot out and redirect it you're you're still essentially kicking and pushing it forward with your foot because you're going in a forward motion 
And so that's why it's hard um, in that situation because, like, yeah, he may have not... I don't know. I felt like it was enough of a kicking motion because he had moved his foot forward. The only way I think that you don't have a kicking motion is if you're literally just turning your skate and you're not moving your leg. But how are you going to do that? Like trying to stop. What? Like trying to stop in front of, like trying to stop in front of the crease. Yes. Yeah. Like if you're trying, if you're trying to stop and, and, and you're coming to a point, but if you're still moving through, moving through the puck, I guess, essentially, I feel like it's a, a kicking motion regardless because of the fact that you're, you're purposefully pushing it forward in a direction. But I think you bring up a good point there being on the opposite side of me, which is that, and here lies the problem with the rules. It's so gray. There's such a gray area. And I think in a way you're kind of right in that it needs to be more black and white. It either needs to be everything counts or nothing counts at all. And unfortunately for the NHL, that's not the case. Much like goaltender interference too, where fuck if anybody knows what goaltender interference is anymore at this point. It's pretty much a, a roll of the dice, a flip of the coin, either way. And it just it's up to like the eye of the beholder, because I've seen some people agree with me and some people agree with you that um, in terms of what counts and what doesn't. Um, but uh, again, and the thing crazy thing about that goal, too, is like they didn't really review that much. It didn't take them that long to review. Like they called it a good goal in the ice. And I think it took them 30 seconds to review. It, and that was it. And it was a, and it was a good goal. And um, our friends at the Vegas Nightly podcast, for what it's worth, we've been in heated discussions with them on many occasions, uh, especially when it comes to the Coyotes in terms of rules and calls that have gone for and against either of our teams. I, the icing call from last year, for example, that the Coyotes ended up uh, on the on the wrong side of. Um, it's interesting to me here that they, all their hosts, as far as I could tell, all said and agreed with you that they thought it was not a good goal. And I think that's fascinating when you hear that from fans of a team like that, who are normally homers, who are able to come out and say. Fiercely support their team and they fiercely defend each other in their podcasts. So that is actually extraordinary coming from them. Yeah. And so they agree with you on that. And um, Hey, it's again, it's a, great fun debate that we're having on the first day of the NHL season. And I'm sure this isn't the last time either that we're going to get this debate pop up, whether it's kicking motion or goaltender interference. Now uh, I'm watching the Chicago and and, uh, Colorado game, Corey, like you are too. And um, it just occurred to me that they're playing in Colorado. And it just occurred to me that, Hey, I was at that rink, not like all uh, two weeks ago. I was like, oh, cool. I was there. I know that place. I know where they're playing at. Yeah, you will. We need to actually go back there and go to a game together. Because when I went Mm -hmm. and saw a game there, the Avalanche were absolute trash at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was not a good game for them. So it would be fun to go uh, during their their good days. Yeah, especially against the Coyotes, even though (laughs) can you imagine us showing up to an Avalanche Coyotes game this year? or in the very near future and watching the Kyrie's get rolled seven to one again. 
<laughs> that is what committed fans do, Richie. You still show up and you still support anyways. Yeah. And win or lose, we still booze. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And because it's and because it's a mile high, you get really boozed really quickly. <laughs> you didn't listen to me on that one. I gave you no, I didn't. fair warning because of the fact that it happened to me actually when I was in that arena. I was like, oh, this hit me much quicker than it would have in Arizona. And uh, so I gave you fair warning. I was like, hey, the alcohol is going to hit you quicker because of the altitude. And then uh, I get a, a wonderful text later about how I was right and how you were feeling it. So, um, you know, we we at least have now both experienced it and we now know for the future. But it does mean a cheaper game because you buy less drinks. <laughs> yes. That's 100% true. One other thing about this game too, Corey, is um, you and I both recognize the starting goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche, um, and it's Darcy Kemper. And um, so far, so good for Darcy Kemper because as we are recording, it is the third period of the game, if I'm not mistaken. And Darcy Kemper has managed to stop 22 of 23 shots. I haven't been able to watch this full game, and I know you haven't been able to either, but so have they had the shot clock on there the entire time? Or not shot clock, sorry. Uh, yeah, shots on yeah, goal yeah, the yeah. entire TNT, time? TNT has a uh, shot on goal counter, yeah. Sorry, as you could tell, I was watching basketball before this. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, I like that. I really didn't like that ESPN would pop it up and then take it away from you and then pop it up and then take it away from you. I wanted to keep it. Yeah. You know, to me, it doesn't matter. I could, I don't really care. Cause if I really wanted to, I can just look it up on my phone in two seconds and be totally okay with it. But a lot of people agree with you because it's one of those things that if you're going and tuning in to games on any nightly basis, and you're just flipping the channels and you pop on a game, one of the first things you look at is you look at the score, yes, but you also look at the shots on goal because for the most part, and I think maybe the analytics people would disagree with me on this, but you can look at the shot on goal counter and get a quick glimpse of how close the game is, how back and forth the game is. And for example here, the score is 4-1, to one, but the shots on goal are fairly close in this game. Thank you, TNT, for having the shots on goal counter. But, like, I have a feeling ESPN can easily correct that, and I think they will. And it's something that NBC, for their however many years they've covered the sport, they never once had a shot on goal counter. And I don't think they actually added one until the playoffs this past season, right as their contract was expiring. Yeah, that's... That that is actually really funny. But... Yeah, it, it's nice for me to be able to look at that because then I know essentially how how even the the game was back and forth. Um, if one team is is doing better defensively than the other or if, um, you know, how well a goaltender is playing as well, like how many um, shots they've saved that night and all that type of stuff. It's I mean, if there's ever a prime example 
of a shot of shots on goal really being able to show you the uh, full dynamics of a game. It is 100% the Arizona Coyotes in the fact that how many times did uh, the Coyotes defensively play like trash, but uh, Kemper or Ronta would keep them in the game. And it was very evident when you would see the shots on goal, you'd look at it and go, Oh shit. Well, they're just pulling their, their, their asses out tonight. And that is something that I think is somewhat critical to me, like as a, as a viewer to be able to look at it again, we do a hockey podcast and we're a little bit more analytical than your average viewer. So maybe not everyone has that, um, you know, wants to keep track of that. But for me, um, I really like to know what what the shots on goal are. And, and especially, too, if I'm watching a game that I'm not fully watching it. Like if I'm, you know, making dinner and doing something else, it helps me kind of fill in what the, um, you know, kind of what has been going on since I, like, last looked at the game. And honestly, a lot of times... I don't know if you're the same way as I am, but I can look at, you know, I can watch partials of a game, look at the shots on goal, the score, and then um, look at the heat map of where their shots were and get a pretty good idea of of how the game went. Oh yeah, one hundred one hundred percent. And uh, I hope that's something that um, TNT keeps up and, and ESPN comes around comes around to doing. Um, quick update before we move on and talk some Coyote stuff here. As uh, if you're listening to us, you're more than likely listening to us on Thursday, which is opening night for the Arizona Coyotes. I just want to do a quick update on the former Coyotes, um, Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson played 16 minutes so far for Vancouver Canucks. He's got three shots and two penalty minutes. Connor Garland has played 14 and a half minutes. He has one shot on goal, and the Oilers are beating the Canucks two to nothing as we speak here and record the podcast. Um, so I know a lot of Coyotes fans are probably going to kind of somewhat pay attention to them um, throughout the throughout the year. Um, so there's a, oh, hey, look, here's a, here's a tweet here. We have Oliver Ekman Larson is a fucking goon. Welcome to the club. <laughs> but I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if they mean like a goon is in a bad way. Like he's willing to fight because he's not. He's like the complete opposite of an actual goon. Uh, let's see. I'm kind of curious as. I'm doing this live on the air, which isn't great radio, but it's, it's really funny. I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to live look at what people are saying about Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, to see what people are saying. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, in other news, watching Garland OEL play for Vancouver right now is so odd to see. OEL got the A already. Oh, OEL's already got an assistant captain there. That's OEL on first power play unit looks better than Hughes early days though. Uh, why are Chies on a new yell on power play one when the Canucks desperately need a goal? The fuck's OEL doing on power play one? 
I figure they're calling him yes. in June because he he just didn't look like he knew what he was doing out there. As as where I was taking that tweet, um, because <clears throat> considering the fact, and and again, we're not saying this anything about this like as of Oliver Oliver Ekman Larson as a person, but as a, a player, he was always known for being very soft around the league for a very long time, and, and I don't know. You know, it, it dropped out of the public eye. Like people um, didn't really talk about it as much. But I don't know if that ever really fully changed around the league. Um, so calling him a goon, as in someone who's who's willing to fight, um, he may have turned into a different person if that was the case. So I figured it was probably him being a goon, um, as in like he didn't know what the fuck he was doing out there, which is uh seems to be about accurate from what the tweets have said i obviously haven't watched the games so i'm <clears throat> unsure of what's what he's really doing but i am let's just say not surprised yeah um speaking of the coyotes i wanted to bring this up on the last show but you ran out of time despite the fact that we did an hour-long show um which is that 538 the um analytics based website not only for politics but for sports as well they put out their NHL projections earlier or last week. And when I looked at it, I thought I was looking at somebody who was clearly drinking way too much whiskey when they put together the algorithm. Because by every stretch of the imagination, everywhere you look, from Vegas to other projections around the league, the Arizona Coyotes are projected to be a bottom five team in the league. But according to 538, if you take a look at their projections, they are projecting the Coyotes to finish with 87 points as we are recording, which is over hockey 500. They give them a 36% chance to make the playoffs and a 2% chance to make the Stanley cup final. Now I don't know what their prognostications are in terms of what they plugged in the computer to find out that the Coyotes are going to get to 87 points this year, but whatever they're smoking and drinking, I want to. I want to sip on that because I think they're nuts. 87 points. If this team gets to 87 points this year, it's going to set them back farther than move them ahead, in my opinion. I think I think it would be detrimental to them to actually do that well this year. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, though I, I think it's quite ridiculous myself. I mean, it would it be entertaining that would be very entertaining. And uh, like you said, uh, whatever they're on, I want some because that is what a world to live in. You know, you always wonder um, when you see some people and you're like, how do they live in that world? Uh, that would be one that I would be like, OK, yeah, I could I could live in that world. Although the disappointment for it would probably be very high. So it may not be uh, great in the long term. But yeah, I I I don't see the benefits of that. Like you said, it would only hurt them, not help them. So I don't understand that they wouldn't. I don't particularly think they're going to be going into the season telling their players to just tank and be horrible and, you know, not try and win anything because that's, you know, n not the way to necessarily run a club. You know, if you do something like that, you normally do it towards the end of the season. You say like, uh, eh, well, we're, we're about here. So we just need to like kind of tank the rest of the season out and then we can get this or that. But you want them at least 
have you know building that chemistry and 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 putting on somewhat of a performance just to uh save face so um i i think they may be a little bit better than we expected but i definitely don't think they will be good we have breaking news Corey. we were just talking about oel <laughs> oh shit and guess what just happened in the edmonton oilers vancouver connects game um there was an oel turnover that led to a goal wrong all of rick larson is the first goal scorer for the vancouver canucks of the 2021-22 season wow wow i i was wrong (laughs) my apologies yeah, My isn't that apology. isn't that whack? Good for him though. Like I said, I think Corey and I are both rooting for Oliverek Larson to do well. I know we, but, we I, I don't, don't think... sound like it, but we secretly want him to do well. I've said for yeah. so long, I wanted him to leave Arizona, not just for uh for our sake, but for his sake too. Like him staying here was not good for him mentally. It was not good for his career. He needed new scenery so we do um we do wish him well i get very pessimistic because of the fact that i have lots of throwbacks to not great recent memories and so i i hold some slight grudges but my my deep hardest of hearts i do want him to do well because i do think there is a capability for him to do well when he actually plays to his ability he i don't i don't think he'll ever be who he used to be but i think there's still a better level than what he was was at here for sure so we do want him to do well it's just uh hard to let some of the stuff from the past go it was a power play goal assisted from nils hoglander and connor garland of all people there it is, but, uh, Connor anyway. Garland. Yep, yep. It is the uh, so you're welcome, Vancouver Canucks. You're very, very welcome. Okay, so to get back on track here, we're talking about the Coyotes, and uh, we both agree that 87 points is ridiculous. We don't understand where that's coming from. That actually would have them finishing a, a better than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams which is in, just insane to me. But again, who knows? Maybe it'll be proven right at some point in time. But for now, it seems like a crazy, crazy thing. All right. Uh, I got one more bit of uh, Coyote's um, questions here for you, Corey. Now, this is going to be flight of our pants, seat of our pants here. Um, and we're just going to get initial reactions to this, which is how many points will the Coyote's top scorer get and how many goals will the Coyotes' top goal scorer get this season? And who will they be? Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to say... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough. I'm going to say their top goal scorer uh, isn't going to get more than 12 goals. Um. That's that was actually relatively difficult for them when they were good. 
like not like great but when they were just good um so i would say that um as for points let me let me drum this up here that's that's my first answer i'm i'm working on the others yeah so i think the coyotes leading point scorer last year was phil kessel i want to say off the top of my head i'd have to look that up to back it up but i'm I'm trying to pull that up now see yeah and i believe he had uh, 40 points, I believe, something like that, which it would have equated to about 60 points or so during a so, full-length regular uh, season. So it was Phil Kessel. He uh-huh. played 56 games, uh, uh-huh. had 20 goals and 23 assists for 43 that points. That's pretty close. So, which again, equates to about 60 points a season. So that's that's fair. Um, Phil Kessel, not going to lead the team in points this year because he's going to be traded at some point. And Corey and I, I think both agree and have been on record about that. So you say, you don't think the Coyotes are going to get a 20 goal scorer this year? No, they're going to be that bad. It wouldn't surprise me in the least, I guess, but I don't believe so. I feel like they're going to put, well, yeah, because I think, yeah, I think you're not too far off because I believe it was maybe two years ago when I don't think they got their leading goal scorer scored 19 goals during an 82 game season. Well, that's what I was saying. Even when they were doing like relatively good, they still like, and and, you know, they had made it into like the, the bubble and they had made it into um, playoffs and stuff. There wasn't many players that made it over that 12 goal mark. So that's the thing is, uh, I, I still think that there is a, a good chance that um, we're not going to see more than about 12-ish, you know, probably 12, in between 12 and 17. I don't think it'll hit 20. I really just don't. You're going to put pressure on people like Keller, who I've always said is, is more of a playmaker than he is a goal scorer. And he had uh, 14 last season. So, I mean, so it was last season, it was, uh, let's see here. Let me put this in order of, it was Kessel with 20 goals, Chikrin with 18. So you may actually, you actually may get more from Chikrin than you than you would actually any uh forward on this team which is is strange but is a large possibility um Dvorak had 17 Keller had 14 and Garland had 12 so there you go those are the only ones that were 12 or above yeah, that's pretty wild. And we know last year how much guys like Lawson Krause and Christian Fisher score, struggled to score goals, and I have a feeling that's not really going to change this year, especially on a team that lost, you know, uh, some of your playmakers, right? Your your top center, Christian Dvorak, gone. Your top, you know, scoring winger, really, and Connor Garland, gone. And so here's my projections. I think Chick Norris – Jacob Chikrin still has an incredible season. He gets 25 goals this year. And he also leads the team in points with uh, 62 points. 
That's that's my goal. That's my pick. He's going to get 25 goals and at least 35 assists this year, and he's going to crush it. Going to somehow keep his name in the Norris conversation despite the Coyotes being bad. Now, I uh, I want to give a shout out here as we're talking about this to friend of the show Clay Collins. He um he sent me his projections for the Coyotes this year in terms of points, and um, Clay is really good about data analysis and um, doesn't get near enough credit for that. Um, but he's he sent me some some of his his projections here, so I do want to give a shout out to him. And you can follow Clay on Twitter um, if you're a Coyotes fan. You probably already do follow him uh, at Clay underscore C ten. We like to call him C squared around here. Both of you, Corey and Clay, C squared. Um, and here's his projections for some of the players here in terms of goals. Um, he projected out a range for most for every Kyrie's player on the roster. Um, for example, um, Jacob Chikrin projected to have 13 to 24 goals. Shane Gosh to spare 11 to 13. Um, Clayton Keller, like you were talking about, projected to have between 16 and 30. Phil Kessel projected to have between 18 and 22. And he also projected out the um, the points for everybody on the roster. And according to his projection, the points leader is Jacob Chikrin. According to Clay's projections, um, his point range would be between 39 and 61. And which is around what I think. And that's kind of, I went, picked my pick kind of based off of this. Uh, Clayton Keller um, projected to have 49. Um, also, Nick Schmaltz projected to have 49. And Shane Gostespair expected to have about 42 points, which would be a nice little season for Shane Gostespair. So just to give you an idea, thanks again to Clay for sending those to me. We appreciate it and kind of giving you an idea of what this team has in store. It's not going to be much, though. I think Corey and I do agree about that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they're in the 2019, 2020 season. There was only one, two, three, four, five, six players that made it above 12. And 2018, 2019, there was eight. So, and these were on significantly better teams i i know my right. my number is very low but i i have reason for it just saying just throwing that out yeah. there yeah for someone comes yeah out. yeah i mean like i said you go back and look like i said i think the best the best example we have is again that team where there was no 20 goal scorers on the roster um, on a team that was fairly good defensively and was still kind of in playoff contention. And this team's way worse than that. So, um, you know, I don't have the numbers pulled up from the 2014-2015 team. That was the tank team that year um, in terms of who was the leading scorer on that team. 2014-2015 team, I got you, yes. um, was, this is going to be funny throwback, Oliver ekman Larson. With 23 goals. Um, Gagne with uh, 15. Sam Gagne. <laughs> yep. Jesus. Uh, Shane Doan with 14. Mikhail Bodker with 14. 
Antoine Vermette with 13, and Toby Reader with 13. Ah, no one else was in Toby Reader, 13 goals. That's wild. So, yeah, that just gives you an idea of kind of what we're looking at for this season. Um, oh, we just have a goal. We have a goal but, from somebody. Yeah, so I'm, I'm still sticking with my between, like, 12 Ooh, wait, was and 17. That, was that who I think it is? Who scored that goal? Yes, it was. Corey, just who just scored for the Blackhawks? That looks to be a Connor Murphy there. Yeah, that's Connor Murphy, former Coyote. What a night for former Coyotes, ladies and gentlemen. They are just crushing it tonight. Uh, congratulations, Connor Murphy. But anyway, we digress. So yeah, those are our kind of projections for the Coyotes this season. Uh, let's wind up the show, Corey, with some random shit stories. Are you ready? I have a couple good ones this week. One including one that you know better than I do. So I might actually let you explain the second story. Um, and then I can just kind of listen to this because you gave me the full rundown of it after our recording last time. But let's begin with, uh, I like doing this because as Corey gets ready for her wedding coming up next year, I like to bring in wedding stories all the time um, because it relates to the show. Okay, so um, a woman has been accused of ruining her brother's wedding after she refused to look after 40 children, the 20-year-old woman explained that her brother and his fiance are due to get married. Uh, growing up, um, the woman and the and the man who's about to get married said uh, they were very close. He's my favorite out of all my siblings, she said. But since he started dating this woman, they grew apart. Although she said she still talks to him often, she and... Uh, uh, she and the and the bride rarely see eye to eye, as she explained in her post on Reddit. She hasn't done anything to me. I haven't done anything to her, but we just don't see eye to eye on things. But with the couple's wedding day looming, the tension between the woman is rising. The woman explained that uh, the couples are having a child-free wedding. But in the bride's eyes, a child is anyone under 20 years old. Would, what? And since the, since, since the woman... Again, this is the sister of the groom, is only 20. She originally wasn't going to be allowed to attend the ceremony or reception until she spoke to her brother. And it, this this story continues, but you get the gist here. Um, she was then later asked to babysit for uh, this wedding with what I understand was going to be about 40 kids for six hours. And they were only going to be originally going to be paid $50 each and that's it. But then apparently they came to a later just, uh, uh, agreement at $150 each. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Another, uh, am I the asshole post for not wanting to babysit 40 kids during your brother's wedding? She is aware that it is cheaper for a person if they are under 21 at your wedding, right? If they are under 21, they are cheaper. In a lot of places, if they're under, I think it's like 10 or some shit, they're even cheaper than that. So you're cutting out all of the cheap people in your wedding. You're the, Who's the dumbass now? <laughs> I, I didn't know that. That's really funny. Yeah, because they don't count on uh, the bar tab. So... If you're like me and you have an open bar and you're paying per person for an open bar, guess what? The people that are under 21, you don't have to fucking pay for. So yes. that is on you. You you 
are losing out on the ability to, uh, you know, pay less money for those people. And also, too, you can fucking vote. You're, you're considered an adult at the age of 18. Who considers a kid being under the age of 20? Like, when you choose 21, like, why, why right. 20? 20 seems like such an odd choice. Like, why? You have to ask this uh, particular couple. I do not know. Weirdest shit ever. I. It's funny because, like, as uh, now, as a person who's a as a bride, like I think about certain things that, like, I'm like, okay, I really want this. I really want that. I really could give two shits about. And I mean, I think Richie can probably attest to this. I am probably more of a laid back bride than I don't know. 80% of them out there, I'd probably say. Um, I'm not the, like, bridezilly type. I actually just kind of want everyone to feel really, like, chill, you know? Um, but you have to kind of, you kind of have to, like, choose your battles because there's so many things that are going on. And if you don't choose your battles... Um, then you you end up just wasting a bunch of your time because while she's fighting this whole 20-year-old thing, there's so many other fucking things to plan. You don't have time to focus on just one little fucking aspect like that. You have so much stuff else to do. And if you're focusing on something like that, you're def definitely neglecting the rest of your wedding. So uh, just don't do it. Let people enjoy and have fun it is your wedding. It's your day. But at the same time, why make dumb rules? Dumb rules are for dumb people. <laughs> yes. Dumb rules are for dumb people. There's your hashtag for the uh, tonight's show. Okay. Let's wrap up with this TikTok video that I understand Corey was very well versed in. Even more well versed in than myself. So usually it's me telling Corey about the stories here that we do at the end of the show. But I feel like now we're going to flip the script here and we're going to let Corey explain this TikTok about this woman who um, had to pay for all of the tacos on a first date. Okay, well, first of all, Sporty has, has a TikTok now and... Um... I was I was on TikTok the other day looking at a bunch of things on TikTok and this lady was telling this story and it was actually very like compelling the way she told this entire story but she basically met a guy on a dating app and when she was on this dating app the guy wanted to meet her for food she thought it was like a good idea idea like she loved food and wanted to go and meet him he wanted her to go to his house once she drove to his house he said that he didn't have his keys or whatever and then sh that she needed to drive throughout all of this she keeps on telling you should this have been a red flag yes but i kept doing it anyway so she does this throughout like all the steps and so she picks him up. He starts like directing her where to go and everything. She's had basically said he could have directed me somewhere and, and tried to kill me. And like, I still would have gone anyways. 
because like she was just in it at that point. And then they get to a Taco Bell. As soon as they get to the Taco Bell, um, he, she was like, okay, drive through or sit inside. He said, drive through. So then, um, they go up to the drive through. He leans over her and orders 100, uh, hard shell tacos. He then does one of those things where he's like patting himself down and basically like doesn't have his wallet. And she's like, oh, do you not have your wallet? He goes, yes. And she goes, do you want me to pay for this? And he said, yes. So she paid for them. Uh, then she said, okay, what, what now? Where do we go now? And he said uh, to go back to his place. So they go back to his place. He lives with his dad. Um, his dad's sitting there on the couch. Um when they walk in, they go into the kitchen. The guy very, very strongly flips them all out and starts shaking all these tacos onto this counter and then screams, let's feast. You would think that there would be other people that would come from the other parts of the house uh, with that many tacos and someone screaming, let's feast. But no, um, he just started eating the tacos and she started just folding one open like a rational, normal human being. Her, um, she basically said at that point, you know, I, I should have just left. But she felt like she was so deep in it that she couldn't until the dad came in, started eating one of the tacos. She didn't think much about it because of the fact that, you know, they had 100 tacos. And then he asked her, do you want to see my studio? To which she replied that there's nothing, nothing least appealing sounding than that. Like that was the last thing she wanted to do. Um, and so at that point, she finally decided she was going to leave. And so she gets up, takes these tacos, starts throwing them into her purse. And then she gets up. And just drives away with all of these tacos. The thing that doesn't get discussed in this TikTok. And I don't know if it's in the article that you're reading or not. Is what she did with the tacos. Could you say that again? Sorry. I what you said. Sorry. My uh, Siri just started talking off my watch. But um, the thing that wasn't um, in the TikTok. And I'm wondering if it was in the article that uh, you were reading is. What did she do with all of the tacos at the end? Did she eat all of them? Did she give them to some friends? Did she give them to some homeless people? What did she do with the tacos that she took in her purse? I mean, they were definitely hers. She paid for them, so she deserved to take them. But what did she do with them? That's a great question. I don't think we've gotten a follow-up to this. So I, I, don't, uh, I, I'm, I don't know. That's a great question. It's yeah, funny. I actually just opened up her like TikTok page. I just opened up her TikTok page and it says the one that bought all the tacos. At least, you know, it's funny. A very terrible date. Uh, probably very terrible judgment. But your story went viral, so there's something. <laughs> exactly. She's now has um, almost a million followers on TikTok and 11.3 million likes which is crazy um i would like to point out that um thank goodness um 
I would, I'm not dumb enough to ever do this, um, on, on a date whatsoever. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there just for shits and giggles. Like, no, that's not, this sounds terrible. Good for her that she's just like left. I was like, uh, fuck you. I'm taking the rest of tacos and going home. Um, so I hope she, uh, I hope she finds happiness wherever, but, uh, what a terrible experience. (laughs) Jesus. This, ladies and gentlemen, this gives the male, uh, gender a really bad name as they deserve, to be honest. She does, she does, did say at the beginning of the TikTok that she is married now, um, because she calls, she said, I think she said, uh, before I met my snack of a husband and then she goes into the story. So she is, she is married now and she is happy, but, uh. She had to go through Taco Man before she found uh, her husband. <laughs> Good for her. So, you know, if if you're single out there and you're like, I, I've been going on these really horrible dates. This is terrible. I'm never going to find anyone good. She went on a date with a guy that made her buy 100 tacos. And she found true love after that. So there's still hope. There's still hope. That's the theme of tonight's episode, everybody. There's still hope. Whether it be you a Coyotes fan or not, there's still hope. You're saying there's a chance, as Corey said earlier in the show. And what you got to do, everybody, is you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Corey and I have both done it. We use that promo code THPN to great effect. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? If you are listening to us right now, when you use that promo code THPN, um, DraftKings is going to give you a bunch of free money. And let me tell you, uh, Sporty Nation, you are going to be excited at the kind of deals that DraftKings is running this week. Because when you bet just $1 on any NFL game, uh, you can win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's it. That's all you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and an official sports betting partner of the NHL as it was announced on Wednesday too. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit $1 wage require. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler and Corey, of course also threadwads.com yes thank you guys so much for all the support that you've shown us um already so far with our new ambassadorship of threadwallets.com um it has saved richie's fob and it can save your your keys and your wallet and and your chapstick too i have a little chapstick holder and that thing has come in so handy because of the fact that um, it's Arizona and my lips are chapped almost all the time. So I love the fact that it's on there as well. I can just take that from purse to purse. I can, you know, put it in my pocket. I can take it from my big ass work bag and just be able to go walk and get coffee and just hold that instead. It's so portable so useful and um it's going to be the perfect thing for me to carry around when i go hiking very shortly because i can't wait to get back to that now that it's cold again um you know and all of those sporting events that we'll be going to too where they usually 
make you um make you have those you know clear bags you can just carry this and then it will have all of your main necessities on it and then you won't have to worry about it so use our code sporty for 15 percent off they just dropped a bunch of new fall stuff um so go get it and then you know tweet at us let us know what you got because i'm uh i'm always curious about what what people are buying out there i want to know what color which ones um and all of that good stuff threadwallets.com Nation. use that promo code sporty get 15 percent off all right follow us on twitter at cory underscore richie show follow us on instagram at cory richie show Follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow me at rflores91. And uh, good luck to the Coyotes in their season opener against the Columbus Blue Jackets on the road. Um, I'm excited hockey season's back. Congratulations to Darcy Kemper. He got his first win as a member of the Avalanche as they beat the uh, Chicago Blackhawks 4-2. to two. Congratulations to Oliver Ekman-Larsen, his first goal as a Vancouver Canuck, as we already mentioned. But uh, until next time, everybody, good night and good hockey.